Hi guys, it's Grace, your host of the Because Why Not podcast. I've been missing you and missing being here. I've been super busy with my real job um, of planning events, the thing that uh, pays the bills currently, and have had some exciting opportunities but I am glad to be back here and there's so much I want to talk about and some exciting conversations coming your way. But today I want to talk about something that I think has been on my mind for 20 years, or I know has been on my mind for 20 years in various forms. Um, and that has presented itself to me, um, several times through the years. And it's a complicated one, guys. This is hard to talk about. Hard to talk about because it's painful, but also because it's challenging to figure out and make sense of. And I'm going to try and do my best with it right now without having someone to bounce ideas off of. And I wonder what your thoughts are on this and maybe you can send some comments and maybe some of you have experienced something like this because I do think that this topic is something that's very relatable to a lot of people. So I'll be really interested to hear what you think. Um, This topic that I am talking about is when friendships end and it's a vast topic. I mean, friendships can end for all different kinds of reasons. There can be an argument, a falling out. There could be someone moving away. Um, you know, there could be that you leave school and you go off to college and you lose track. I mean, any number of reasons. And then of course there are really crazy, tragic, devastating reasons like, your husband leaves you for your best friend. So you're no longer friends with your best friend or, um, someone betrays you in another way or, um, someone treats you badly. I mean, there are all kinds of reasons that friendships end, but what I'm learning recently and why I feel ready to talk about this right now is that there can be a very conscious present choice made to end a friendship for the purpose of health and wellness and well-being. I mean, we all joked when Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin got divorced and they called it conscious uncoupling, right? That was the first time I'd ever heard it. I thought that's ridiculous. Get over yourself, Goop. Of course, now I love Goop. I'm all in. Um, Her podcast is brilliant and I really love listening to those interviews and I've learned so much. Um, and conscious uncoupling is apparently something that she did not invent. It was the first time that it was put out there in the public in such a way that, you know, it got grabbed onto by the media and it sounded so kind of extra, you know, over the top, um, self-helpy. But the idea is that you're making a conscious decision with someone to end a relationship because it no longer serves you, right? And so in the case of a divorce, that would be a conscious uncoupling. But in the case of a friendship, 
you both might not be making that decision together. It might be one person who's deciding that they need to consciously separate from this friendship, but the other person might not be ready. Um, They may not ever be ready and they may not want that. And the hard part is that people grow and change at different times and um, in different ways and in different capacities. And it's, it's going to be difficult and it's not always going to be the case that both people are ready to let go of that friendship at the same time, if ever. So my story uh, begins in 1998, maybe 1997 was when it began um, with a college roommate who was a very dear friend of mine for all four years. One of my very first friends and part of our lucky number seven group of seven girlfriends and um We just had this really tight group and we were all so close. Different friendships were stronger sort of between and amongst us. But as a group of seven, we were so tight and um, people referred to us as the babysitters club. I don't know what that means, but we thought it was funny. Maybe that we were like sort of goody goody seeming preppy girls. I don't know. Um, there was a lot more going on behind the scenes there than what met the eye with the Patagonia jackets. Um, am I right girls? But we had this really strong group of friends and we all remained really close. And throughout the years, you know, certain friendships grew stronger, some evolved, some changed, but we all in some way were close and roomed together in various formations. So senior year of college, I lived with two of them. Um, and, uh, one of these two, um, and I are still very, very close and have remained so, and we're in each other's weddings and, you know, visit each other regularly. And, um, we are very connected. Our birthdays are three days apart. Um, hi Sarah. And we are, we are very close. We are, yeah, we, we've just remained very close. The other one, Um, we were also very close with, and what happened was that, uh, this other friend, um, went through this sort of personal evolution senior year in college. And what I know now is that she was going through something very deep and very real, uh, in terms of changing what her mindset was, what her interests were, Um, and it had, had to do with the relationship she was in. It had to do with her boyfriend getting sober and going through the 12 step program. She got very close with his sponsor. Um, they spent a lot of time together working the steps. She decided that she was codependent and that she wanted to work the steps for that. Um, she started doing a lot of yoga. She stopped partying with us, participating in all of that, drinking. And at the time, it felt at the age of 21, we felt really abandoned. You know, we felt hurt. She all of a sudden was 
disinterested in what we were doing. And we had all been doing these things together for three and a half years. You know, they played their field hockey games. We went to parties. They came to my singing performances. We spent all of our waking time together laughing and being silly and being wild and also studying and, you know, but we were very, very social and we were very, very close. And she retreated from the social life um, and went into her world with her boyfriend in this very insular relationship. And what we saw it as was something strange and something weird and something that we would make fun of and that we were, you know, dis proving of. And I know it was because we were sad. We were hurt. We were uncomfortable. We were like, what is happening here? Like you're ditching us. You've broken up with us. You've broken our hearts. That's how we felt. This culminated in me approaching her about this quote unquote breakup and saying, you know, essentially what's going on. Like you've abandoned me and Sarah and our relationship and you've just moved on. You're just leaving us in the dust with no explanation. What is going on? And I will never forget this because at the time it made me cry a lot. Then there were years where we laughed and mocked it a lot. And now it just, um, gosh, like resonates with me in a different way because perhaps I understand it more because it's 20 years later and I'm going through my own personal evolution. But what she said to me was, I'm sorry, Grace, but you don't inspire me anymore. And I just couldn't believe that. I mean, it is a very harsh thing to say to someone in any circumstance. And especially when you've been such good friends and have lived together and grown up together and all of that. Um, it just felt like such a slap in the face, you know? And I thought, who are you to tell me that I don't inspire you anymore? Maybe you don't inspire me anymore. I just thought it was really cold. And that's what I felt from her was just coldness, you know? And so we just moved through these last months of college and went through the motions and, um, you know, she didn't come to my last singing concert of my college career, which was really like the ultimate way to hurt me. Um, and it did. It did, but we had graduation dinners together with our parents. We went through the motions. We, um, you know, did all the things we needed to do to sort of play the parts, but then we split and it was painful, painful, awful. And I really was so hurt and also so young that all I could feel was the pain and the agony and the anger and the resentment. And I didn't understand. I couldn't put myself in a place where I could try and understand and feel what she was feeling. Um, and I just had to turn to my anger and my anger turned to, um, 
you know, just an ugly place of just kind of being nasty about it. And, um, you know, I didn't care for her boyfriend and, and that made it a lot easier to just sort of write it off. Well, several years passed and her mother passed away from breast cancer, which was tragic. And one of her close friends from growing up reached out to me, found where I was in New York city and said, listen, let's let bygones be bygones. Like your friend needs you, please come to the funeral, which of course I did. I saw her that day. We had an intense conversation that wasn't really about our relationship, but was more about her mom and what she was experiencing. And we were at her childhood home for the, you know, funeral um, after the church. And I remember sitting in her childhood bedroom talking to her and feeling so much love and feeling so much pain and feeling so much sadness for her. Um, and a little while after that, she and this college boyfriend got engaged and they asked me to come to their wedding and they asked me to sing in their wedding ceremony, which was a really special thing to be asked. And, um, I was so shy about singing in public back then. I I don't know why I spent so many years being shy and inhibited about it. Um, even though I performed in college with a group and in high school with a group. But I was so shy about it, nervous about it. But I told her, of course, I would do it. And I spent time taking the train from the city out to Connecticut to practice singing with her brother who was playing the guitar and then ultimately went to the wedding and performed in the ceremony. And it was this beautiful song and beautiful day and was so happy to be at the wedding. And these other college friends went and, and it, and it felt like things were healed or they were healing between us, that we had an opportunity to come back together and that she had extended an olive branch and that I and we had accepted it and that we were going to move forward in some way. Um, and then she disappeared again. You know, we lost touch. And I remember feeling like that wasn't my doing, that she had left me again, that I had been brought back into the fold and felt her love and her warmth again. And that all of a sudden she was gone again. And I had to deal with that pain and that healing again. And it was different this time. I, I think I felt maybe a little more frustration, a little more sadness than anger because we were a little bit older. I also had more empathy for her because I knew she experienced great loss, but a number of years went by six more years. And then I found out through a friend that she and this college boyfriend, now husband, were getting a divorce that he had left her and that he had said terrible things about never having loved her. And um, that he had shown himself to be the person that I certainly always believed him to be, which was a narcissist. Um, and I picked up the phone and I called her six years later and she picked up and I just said, I'm so sorry. Tell me how you are. And we talked and she opened up and I think she was glad to hear from me. And there was this sense of relief at having this 
good friend back in her life and we just adored each other. You know, we, we were in love with each other the way friends can be in love with each other. I mean, we really had a deep, deep love and admiration. And I do think relationships like that can be so intense, even more intense when you're so young, because your feelings are so raw and you're not jaded and you're living together at school and you're loving so freely. And, you know, our relationship was very, very, very strong. And so it felt good to both of us to be back. And she opened up to me about her divorce and her life changing. And we just vowed to be in touch and Gosh, we gave it a try. I mean, we would go back and forth and say, well, we should meet in New York City because both of our sisters live in New York City and let's make an effort and let's do it and let's finally see each other and let's reconnect and we're going to do it. And I will never forget that we would sort of talk on the phone every now and again and two more years went by and um, we had a phone call one night and I shared with her very openly and very vulnerably um, some struggles I'd been going through in my own world with my mental health and depression. And um, yeah, that was probably halfway through my four-year infertility battle. And I really shared everything with her and opened up to her vulnerably in a really big way. And she had to go after the conversation or before it was done. She said, I have some coming over for dinner. You know, I'll call you soon. We'll catch up again. And, and that was it. She never called back. And that was 10 years ago. And I never called back either, you know, because... My husband, who knew her very well and loved her too, had been on this roller coaster for me, with me at that point for 11 years and said, he looked me right in the eyes and he said, you have to end this now. You have to get off this roller coaster. And so I did. I did. I didn't reach out again and I had to let it go and I had to move on. And I did feel a lot of pain about it, you know, and other dear friends and I have had this conversation about this relationship ending and how painful it has been for some of us Um, and that we know very little about her life now and of course hope she's happy and well, but, you know, wonder what is going on and how is she and Does she miss us the way that we've missed her? And yet now it's so far away. It feels like, you know, a distant memory until things happen, like going back to college, which we did a year ago for our 20th reunion. And there are memories everywhere of this friendship, of this group of seven, of these smaller groups of friends, of this love affair that she and I had. Like there are ghosts everywhere. You're seeing ghosts everywhere of these lives you led in this place, right? And things that you experienced and they're always there around every corner. And so 
Um, there's letting go and then there's facing it again when you revisit where all of this happened. So this was a really painful experience in my life that was very hard to deal with. And you can hear that. I mean, this happened 20 years ago and then 10 years ago, ultimately. And it's as clear as day in my mind and in my heart. I mean, those feelings are crystal clear. And if she walked into the room, I would give her the biggest hug and I would be so glad to do it. I can feel her. I can smell her. I can hear her laugh. I can see her smile. Um, it's a really sad loss, you know, uh, and yet we're different people and so much has changed and I'm changing every day. There's so much about me that's the same as I've always been. I mean, I do believe I have the same heart. I have so many of the same good friends. You know, there's so many friendships that have been nurtured through the years and people who have grown with me and alongside me. But it is really different when someone leaves your life abruptly and then all these years pass, you think, how could we ever go back? You know, I mean that ship has sailed. How do you recover from that? So that's an example of a friendship ending by no choice of my own, really, initially, um, or any of those three or four times throughout those years. But, but ultimately, I think the decision was mine to not reach out and make a phone call or send another email and say, where are you? How are you? Why didn't you ever call me back? Why do you keep hurting me? You know, I think what I know now is that she did what she had to do for her. I don't think her intention was ever to hurt me. I really felt in college that it was. I felt like she was intentionally hurting me by saying these things that she didn't want me in her life, that I didn't inspire her. Um, and I felt afterwards that she was intentionally hurting me by letting me go so abruptly, so boldly, so knowingly, willingly. Why didn't she fight for me? Why didn't she fight for our friendship? But what I know now is that she needed to let me go for whatever reason she needed to let me go. She needed to let this friendship go, whether it meant letting go of a time of her life. That's very painful because she ended up divorcing the man she met in college and, you know, this relationship, which caused her to really end all of her friendships in college. Maybe it's just too painful to look back and she needs to let go of all of it. Um, whatever the reason I have to know and trust that, um, she had a reason and I have to know and trust that she did it because she felt that it was the right thing to do for her own happiness and well-being. And sometimes people have to make 
decisions that are just right for them, even if it may hurt someone else. And that's a really big thing for me to understand and be able to articulate because I know that there has been more than one time in my life, more than one time certainly with this one person um, and also with other people in my life uh, who have made big decisions that didn't include me and that I did feel hurt by and they had to do what was right for them and I know that now. Um, My mother is certainly one of them and like I keep saying, that's a story for another day, but I have chosen to forgive that and understand that she did what was right for her at the time. And I think that this is another case like that and that this friendship needed to end and some friendships need to end. And she didn't have the words to give me. I don't know how a person finds the words to say, I need this friendship to end, you know, so maybe she just disappeared. It was cowardly, but maybe it was also the easiest way or the way that she felt she could do the least damage to me by not saying anything more and just disappearing. Um, Who knows? Maybe it had nothing to do with me. I do know that when someone leaves you or hurts you or ends a relationship, it very often has very little to do with you. So in other words, her ending the relationship with me may have had very little to do with me and everything to do with her. And um, she had to sort out her stuff. So this is out there in the ether now. Some of you know this story from my life. Many of you don't. I don't know if this recording will ever reach you, but I want to say to you, Phoebe, that I forgive you and I love you and I hope you're happy and I understand So part of me coming to this realization is because this happened to me again last year, 20 years after Phoebe broke up with me. (laughs) I was dumped again last year by another friend, but it was a very different scenario. And I think it's worth sharing because I do think it's something to be learned from. I've spent a year now mulling it over and kind of at times obsessing over it and how could I have done things differently and um, why did this happen and why did this person even come into my life and you know but I am uh, taking some things away from this experience and I feel like it's 
really worth passing on. So this was a very different scenario because it was a really new friend. Um, it was someone who I literally met in April of last year at an event. He was working for someone that I had been hired to plan an event for. Um, and from the moment I started talking to him, I thought, I really like this guy. Like, he's so cute. He's totally my type. Gay, young, <laughs> fun, funny, sweet, charming. Like, I wanted him to be my bestie immediately. Anyone who knows me knows that I have a history of falling in love with various gay men. Um, I am just someone who is drawn to many gay men. I want to come back in my next life as a gay man. I just, it's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. Anyway, I felt this guy's energy from the moment that we started talking. All of a sudden, before we knew it, we were talking about um, Bravo. And I remember him saying, oh, I'm such a bad gay. I don't watch Bravo. And, um, so we had a good laugh and we just hit it off, you know, and like we met for lunch, we had this three hour lunch or four hour lunch. And then it went from there, like meeting for another lunch, which ended in tears, pouring our hearts out to each other and, um, just another lunch and, and just always talking and texting and being in touch and, kind of just like falling fast and hard for each other as friends. At least I felt that from him. This was literally a five week period. It was like when you start dating someone and the momentum picks up so quickly and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. But like, we're hanging out again, or we're talking again, or like, he wants to see me. I want to see him. We're trying to make plans, but it's not working, but we want to see each other. And he's the person I want to text in the morning. And he's the person I want to talk to at night. And he's thinking of me at this event and sending me a picture. And I'm thinking of him while I'm doing this and I'm sending him a picture. And I was like rosy and giddy about him and telling my friends about my new friend and like just cuckoo birds about him like the way you are when you're falling in love I remember a friend of mine saying to me recently about when she was falling in love with her husband she was saying you know that phase when you're just still walking into walls and I thought that is the greatest way to describe falling in love you know and that's how I felt like I just wanted to be with him all the time and my husband sweet man that he is knows how I am I mean whether it's with a man or a woman when I go in, I go all in. Like if I feel like I, you know, am becoming a part of your life or like you're someone who I like to have around and I'm into you, like I go all in. I want to like know every piece of you and, um, you know, just bring you into my fold and like spend all the time with you and, and I've been accused by certain people of always needing to have someone new in my life or someone who I'm very close with and with all the time and needing that one person. And I actually don't think that that's accurate. I don't think that's the right way to describe it. I think it's really that I connect with a lot of different people 
and I tend to just connect with lots of different people and connect them with each other and just keep growing the group of friends and people who know each other. And that's a beautiful thing. I love seeing how many friends have met friends and become friends and this community grows and it makes everyone's life better and happier and more fulfilled. But every now and again, you know, there has been someone who comes into my life who I feel like, oh my God, I cannot get enough of you, you know? And this person was that way. And I really felt it from him too. I really did. Like it felt very requited. And my husband was like, okay, like you're in it. Like it's very clear you're into him all good. You know, I mean, it's always non-threatening because I tend to fall in love with gay men, not other straight men. So it's usually women friends or gay men. Um, so I was just like riding high on this new friendship, like truly riding high. Um, I don't know if it matters. I think in, in, in hindsight, maybe I've decided that it matters, but he was and is 12 years younger than me. Um, you know, he was 30. I'm a 42 year old mother of two. Um, you know, maybe it just felt like too much for him. I don't know. But what happened was that, um, five weeks after we started hanging out and everything was great. I mean, we had this week of like fun, funny, sweet texts back and forth and planning to see each other again soon. And, um, I sent him a text about a photo of his that I saw. This is how this happened. So millennials must deal with this all the time and teenagers. And I'm telling you, I'm too old for it. And it was painful, but I saw a photo he posted on Instagram. It was funny. I thought it was a really funny photo. I sent him a text about it. That was a very innocuous text. I believe that it's innocuous because I believed it in the moment, but also because I have gone over this with so many people and shared the text. Um, and they were like, what you're saying is not hurtful. It doesn't even make any sense. Like I would have written you back and said, what are you talking about? Point being that I sent this text about his Instagram post um, just to like make a funny comment about it. But it turns out that what I said didn't even really make sense. So really he, it would have made sense for him to be like, I don't understand what you mean. I don't, I don't know what I was saying. I was trying to make a joke and it wasn't funny, but anyway, he did, he did write back. Um, but then I could just tell that something was different and I reached out and I was like, Hey, I feel like something's different. Was it about what I wrote? Because what I wrote didn't even make sense. This was what I was trying to say. And I explained to him that what I was trying to say was something totally benign and innocuous about the fact that he looked like he was taking a picture in the middle of Costco with a bunch of random people. I know I'm giving you like a little context, not all the context, but anyway, bear with me. I made a stupid comment on a photo. So he, um, he, he wrote me back and he was like, yeah, I, I did take that that way. Like I did take it the wrong way. I did think you were saying something else and it upset me. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like I never would have said anything negative about who you are with, whatever, like just try to explain. Right. 
So this person has known me five weeks. And what happened was, I guess in this moment, he decided something about me. He made a judgment about me, who I am, what I believe, what my character is. I don't know. I don't know. But he decided based on this, that I was not worth having in his life. Based on this comment on his photo that didn't even make any sense. So he disappeared. He literally disappeared. Like full on ghosting. And I guess I told the story out of order. He ghosted me, which was the first time in my life I had ever had that happen other than with Phoebe and, uh, this college friend I've been talking about. Um, and so now I have the term ghosting. And so like a week went by and I was sick to my stomach. I, I just was so upset. I would wait every day for him to write or call or whatever. And so finally, that's when I wrote him and I said, what's going on? You know, you've ghosted me. I am literally too old to be ghosted. I need for you to communicate with me. I can't deal with this. Tell me what's going on. And that's when he said, he wrote me this lengthy email and he said, you're absolutely right. Um, I did stop communication with you because of what you said. And I took it this way. And he wrote me this long email, basically about my character and assumptions and judgments that he had made about my character and who I am and things I believe and what my life is and um, the kind of help and input and assistance and guidance that I need from someone about the way I see things and live my life and that he was not going to be the one to educate me because he's not in that place in life where he can help me to become a better person. Um, it was just so bizarre and so hurtful and weird and shocking and jarring all these feelings i was just like what is happening here what did i do i tried to call him i wanted to have a conversation you know when you feel something for each other like he kept saying the law of attraction has brought us together like we are supposed to be friends. If you're feeling that, how can you just make a judgment about someone and end a friendship? So I tried again. I tried to be myself, which is a communicative person. And I wrote him again and nothing. And a month went by and I wrote him again. And I said, I miss you. You know, I just I'm wondering if you want to meet for lunch. Can we put this behind us? And nothing. And I don't want to tell you that I wrote him again a month later, but I did. Um, I did. So that was August, around August 1st of last year. Um, and nothing. Nothing. Um, and I've really agonized over it because I have had to reconcile what's happened without any sort of real explanation. I mean, he did write to me and say, you have a heart of gold 
and I've loved my time with you, but I'm not in a place in life where I can be this person for you. Um, and so ultimately, as a friend of mine said, he broke up with you, Grace. You just have to deal with it. I guess he really did break up with me, you know, and being broken up with is something that happens. Um, I guess I just wasn't okay with the reasoning why. But I guess what I'm here to say is that you can't choose why someone breaks up with you all the time or why someone chooses to end a friendship with you, whether it's a four or 10 year old friendship or a three year old friendship or a five week old friendship that feels like rainbows and bunny rabbits until next day, the bottom falls out. Um, you just can't always choose why, and you don't get to have a say. And that really sucks. It sucks. I still hate it about this friendship. And again, I can tell you that I know from all of my therapy and my podcast therapy and my reading and my conversations that it doesn't have to do with me. Ultimately, it has to be about him and what he's going through. And I do believe that, but there's this part of me that feels like so frustrated because I want to be like, dude, I wouldn't call him dude. I don't, I don't say that, (laughs) but I want to be like, honey, I care about you. Like we have something good going here. Open up to me. Let's have a conversation about this. But you know what? That's not the way it works. And if he doesn't want to be my friend and doesn't want to have me in his life and doesn't want to open up to me or has just decided that I don't have a place there or that he's going through something that I don't fit into or um, whatever it is that he's dealing with, that I am a repercussion of, I have to deal with that. You know, if the, if what he, if what he's going through in life ends up that it needs to end our relationship as a byproduct, that's really, really painful for me. But I have to empathize with him if I'm going to be able to move on and understand that, um, he needed that, you know, and maybe I was wrong. Maybe he didn't feel those things for me. Maybe it wasn't a good new friendship. Maybe he does that all the time with people and he makes people feel like there are rainbows bursting out of their eyeballs. Um, when he befriends them, maybe that's his thing. Maybe he has that magic and maybe I was just lucky to have it for five weeks, but I got to move on. You know, um, I hope that I'm someone who, who makes people feel like they've got rainbows jumping out of their eyeballs, um, from time to time. And I know that I'm someone who, you know, is capable of also hurting people, whether I mean to or not, because because I grow and change, you know, and I know that friendships grow and change. And I know that I am not and can't be everything to everyone that I've always been giving everything or that I can't be everything and everyone to everyone. I've always been everything and everyone to or for. 
um, whether or not they've wanted me to. Um, you know, I give my all to my friends and there are times that, that, that things change and we grow or we get busy with work or our own family. And certainly now is a huge example in my life of me putting total and complete focus on myself and my health and my happiness and my wellness and my personal growth and my sober curiosity and my um, just enlightenment. Really, that's what it is. And my husband and my boys and my livelihood and my future. And there are things that absolutely have to take the back burner. And one of them is my friendships. And I hope that they know that I love them and care for them. But where I have, and I always will, you know, but where I have always been the sort of ringmaster and bringing people together, I haven't been doing that recently. I haven't been putting energy towards that or being the one who's creating all of the parties and bringing people together because I am so focused on myself. And so I even realized in this conversation that, you know, I may be inadvertently hurting people in the way that I've been growing and changing without giving an explanation. So if anyone out there in my life is feeling hurt by my growth and my lack of communication about it or how our friendship has changed, um, I'm sorry. And I, I hope you'll understand that I am um, doing what feels right to me and that, that we all need to uh, take time in our lives to do what feels right for us in order to be the best that we can be and to live the life that we want to live. And sometimes that means that it's going to hurt someone. Um, so friendships end. I'm sure that what I went through with Phoebe and, and, and with Baron, hi Baron, are you out there? You hurt my heart, but I, I hope you're okay and I hope you're happy. Um, you are a dreamboat and I wish you well. It's probably going to happen to me again because you know why? I give my heart to people. I, before I've made myself vulnerable on a podcast, I made myself vulnerable to people in relationships my entire life. And when you do that, you stand to get hurt. But I don't regret having done that. And I hope that you won't regret giving your heart to people too, or either. I hope you won't regret giving your heart and opening your heart fully and loving wholeheartedly and fully, even if it ends in pain, whether it's a divorce or a spouse leaving you, betraying you, whether it's a friend moving away or ending contact, whether it's a friend changing whether it's a child needing to pull away for a while, whether it's an employer letting you go, whatever it is, don't be afraid to give yourself completely because there is value in that. You know, I, I don't wish the pain that I felt on anyone, but I really am glad that I, I had those friendships. I really... I really, really am. And oh my God, should we just quote Steel Magnolias right now? Should we just quote Shelby when she says, Mama, I'd rather have 30 minutes of wonderful than a lifetime of nothing special. And I mean, isn't that true? It's so true.
Oh, loving is painful and friendships are life for me and love is life, but it does cause pain, but I'm not going to stop making myself vulnerable just because people have ended friendships with me. I'm not going to stop trusting. I'm not going to stop trying. Um, and I really, I hope that, that, that you won't either, you know, and I hope that hearing this helps you in some way, because I do think it's something that a lot of people go through. And I'm really so thankful that I could finally share these stories. Can you hear my sigh? I've been wanting to share that story about last summer. Um, say it out loud for a long time. I have shared it with uh, several really dear friends who have given me great advice. And certainly plenty of you know the story about college. Um, so I hope it resonates. It's real. <laughs> it's real. Thank you for letting me be vulnerable here. I love you and I appreciate this and I hope you take time for yourself, whatever that means. This is certainly a powerful hour that I gave to myself today. I'm going to go drink my iced coffee and catch up on work before mommyhood starts this evening. It's a beautiful May 1st here. I hope spring is starting where you are, though if you're in Colorado, I know it's snowing, um, but... I just say love wholeheartedly, be vulnerable, be yourself, be true to who you are. All of this is because why not? Why not? What else are you going to do? This is what we need to do. Life is short, people. Lots of love. I'll be with you again soon. Bye.